0: <laughs> Mama. welcome to parent talk podcasts where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze well at least a little easier now here is your host F. kyle and co-host heather fox
1: hi everyone welcome to parent talk broadcasting out of the greater vancouver area Parent Talk is a conversation that supports and encourages moms and dads. I show it's a great way to connect and bounce ideas of other parents going through similar experiences, helping us be the best parents we can be. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. I'm Genevieve Kyle. I'm the founder and your host of Parent Talk. I am a 41-year-old new mom of a one-year-old little boy named Alexandre and I am a registered dental hygienist. Today we're talking about in-vitro fertilization
2: so let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hi everyone, my name is Heather Fox and I am your co-host of Parent Talk. I am 40 years old and a new mum to baby Hudson who is one years old. I am a stay-home mum now, however my background is in early childhood education and I am a former owner of Jimbury Play and Music.
0: Hi there. I am Sonia Kashup. I am the medical director at Genesis Fertility Center in Vancouver. We specialize there in helping couples who are suffering from infertility, often with uh, in vitro fertilization.
1: Well, thank you, Sonia, for being here. Thank you, uh, Heather. I can actually say for the first time is my son was actually born through in vitro fertilization. So Sonia was actually my doctor (laughs) and we had an amazing experience and uh, I'm really, actually, I'm really honored to have you today. So first of all, I want to know what is in vitro fertilization? Like tell us,
0: give us the details. (laughs) Well, first I want to thank you for that very kind introduction and I'm very honored to be here um, and hopefully to help educate others about the same topic. So in vitro fertilization is also known as IVF, and it is when conception occurs outside the body in a dish. With natural fertility, the sperm and the egg, they meet in the body, they actually meet in the fallopian tube. But in our offices, they very often meet in the lab. And so with IVF, what we do is we stimulate the ovaries to harvest, instead of just one egg, multiple eggs, and extract those eggs, and then fertilize those eggs in the lab and there's one of two processes that can be used to fertilize those eggs. One is called insemination where we just put the eggs and the sperm together in proximity in a dish, Um, about fifty to 100,000 sperm per egg. And the second way is through a process called intracytoplasmic sperm injection or ICSI where we actually take a singular sperm and inject it into a So Sonia, what are the reasons why people go for a consultation? So, uh, Many people come to us having already tried to conceive for a period of time. Some people come simply for information at the beginning of their journey. Some people have visited other clinics, been through treatments in other places before they come to us. Um, Most often, people are referred by their family doctor. Sometimes uh, they will self-refer. If somebody has been trying for a year and they're under age 35... Uh, it would be a good idea to seek help. If they have been trying for six months over the age of 35, that's the appropriate time to seek help. And after age 38, 39, 40, time is really of the essence. And so we encourage people to uh, seek an evaluation or help sooner. If you know that you may have a problem, if you know that your cycles are not regular or that you may be at risk for tubal disease, you've had surgery, endometriosis, you've had a sexually transmitted disease, or know that you have uh, tubal blockage. If you uh, know that your partner may have male factor, because 40% of couple infertility is actually secondary also to male factor, um, then these are good reasons to come and ask for help. There are also, these days, a lot of people who are waiting longer before they start their families, And they're also thinking about family planning. Some people will come to talk about egg freezing. Other people will come because they're starting their families later and they know they want to have not one child, but after the first child, they may want to have a second and a third child. Also these days, we see people who are starting second families. The reality these days is that relationships don't always work. And sometimes relationships break up and then people meet each other again and then they want to start a new family again together and they're doing that later on in life. Sometimes men have had vasectomies, for example. And um, either the time since the vasectomy is too long to reverse the vasectomy successfully or an attempt at vasectomy reversal has been attempted and it didn't work or uh, because of family planning issues or other uh, medical concerns or age concerns for the couple or the female partner, um, in vitro fertilization is the most appropriate next step.
1: Mm-hmm. Alistair and I, my husband and I, we decided to uh, go for consultation because we were together for about two years and we never really were careful. And um, and it was an age thing. I, I was 39 and I wanted to have more than one child, so maybe the first one was going to happen right away or not then I was thinking, I'm going to be what, 42, 43. And so I went, my reason why I wanted to go at the beginning was to actually uh, freeze eggs. And then um, Sonia recommended me to to do a full cycle because of Alistair and I have been together for already two years and not being careful, and we decided to go for it. And there was no, for us, we were lucky. There was no, Alistair's sperm was in healthy, good condition mobility. Like on my side, there was no reason why either. There was no blockage, no nothing. And actually, I have to say, going through the process, right away, we found out if there was something wrong or not. How long did that took? Like a month to do all this, to check everything?
0: Yeah, it usually can be done within four to six weeks.
1: Yeah. So it was quite fast. And then we finally met you. And, and like actually, we did a couple cycle of... Uh, IUI which is um,
0: insemination yeah so IUI uh, generally is performed with medication to try and make you ovulate more than one egg at a time Um, and then you wash and put the sperm in the uterus hoping that for example at age 40 you would expect the natural pregnancy rate to be about six percent per month so if you ovulate one egg per month you expect your natural pregnancy rate to be about 6% per month compared to when you're 30 and it's about 20% per month Mm -hmm. uh, compared to when you're 43 and it's even much less than 6% per month. Mm -hmm. So with insemination, rather than just putting the sperm in the uterus, we also give medications to try and increase the number of eggs that are ovulating so that if one egg has a 6% chance, maybe two eggs will have a 10% chance, maybe three eggs will have a 12% chance. Not quite additive, but still. And for somebody who doesn't have any other diagnosis that's usually uh where we would start uh depending on an individual's or couple's goals
1: mm-hmm. so we tried this it didn't work for us so we didn't mess around we just ran away with IVF and sure enough like a year later my uh, my son was born and uh, and now I'm actually pregnant with the same IVF cycle so for us the whole experience has been very fantastic because now we have Two babies, one on the way, one here. And, and uh, it's really nice to be able to share this with people. It's actually, the experience is much less traumatic than I thought. Actually, I thought it was very simple. I think you just got to trust yourself and trust the process, trust your doctor. And don't stress about it. My husband and I, we, we were happy to freeze eggs. That was the main thing. We wanted to freeze embryos, actually. Yeah.
0: I'm glad. I mean, I think that's an important message for people. I think that a lot of times people are afraid to even... Uh, consider it uh, because they're afraid it may just be so overwhelming. I think it's actually very important. um, A, give yourself some space while you're going through IVF. Um, Give yourself some time to know that, you know, there will be some steps during the day that you'll need to do. Give yourself some time in terms of um, your schedule to make sure that there aren't too many things on your plate at that time, which is hard these days for most people to do. Um, we really pride ourselves in trying to have a team. I'm very proud of our team. I think our team is really fantastic actually. And I have worked in different centers and in different groups. And I think that our team really does everything they can to make it work for people. And I think that we try to advocate for you as much as we possibly can so that you don't feel that you have to do that. The process itself, if there are disappointments along the way, can be quite stressful it's not a cheap process, it's expensive, and we mm-hmm. recognize that. Sometimes there are people for whom it will be more difficult and other people for whom it will be easier. Our goal is, it for, is for it to be as easy as possible for everybody mm-hmm. um, and to remind them that one way or another, there's usually a solution. So mm-hmm. one way or another, we can usually get to the other side and we try to mi- minimize the amount of discomfort and noise in between.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do you know if we need help or we should we should seek help
0: um you know again i think that if you if you have a question fortunately we're we're fortunate in canada that the consults are covered so if you get a referral from your doctor it's covered we also see people with self-referrals um so sort of a placeholder of about a hundred dollars to um maybe it's 125 dollars. i don't even know Um, to come without a referral and be seen because the process of even going to your doctor to get a referral, as we were talking about earlier, can be stressful, and take up time that people um, you know, time is something that they feel they may not have. It's interesting because when couples are young, we often and young, you know, is a very variable term. Uh, The average age of women having babies these days is thirty one, and that's the first time that's happened. But when couples are young, we often wait longer uh, before we intervene. And that's because we most often have time. But in fact, there's something usually much more peculiar going on when couples are young, because it's often very difficult not to get pregnant when you're young. And if we're older, um, and again, that's a very variable term, but we know that when we're older, for example, if you're 25, your chance of getting pregnant every month is probably 30% or better. But when you're 40, it's 6% per month what we worry about is running out of time. That's why we intervene sooner. And what we worry about are family planning goals for the next one or the next one. Um, and that it may not work immediately. You know, we have, I've, I've seen recently several couples who have had their third pregnancy from embryos created in the first cycle, uh, which is great. But sometimes for Mm -hmm. some people it takes three cycles. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah.
1: Wow. What are the success rate with IVF?
0: So success rates uh, vary with age predominantly and with uh, pre-existing medical history. But age, female age is the strongest determining factor. So under age 35, IVF will eventually most likely work. Sometimes the journey can be a little bit harder for the reasons that we said. It may be more difficult because uh, these days we probably see less um, tubal obstruction, so we see more people coming with what we call unexplained infertility um and so while unexplained infertility in vitro fertilization will most often work, um we're not targeting something specific. Uh, in general, we expect for couples under the age of thirty five. Uh, Where the female age is under 35, um, the success rates are 50 to 70%, maybe a 70% pregnancy rate, but a 55 or 60% delivery rate, eventually cumulative pregnancy rates, meaning that um, if you stick with it and you use all of the eggs or embryos that were created from that cycle, even if the first transfer doesn't work, the subsequent transfers will most likely work. Um, By the time you get to age 37, it's probably closer to about 50%. By the time you get to age 40, pregnancy rates are still high if you consider pregnancy, positive pregnancy tests, or even clinical pregnancies. But miscarriage rates become a bigger issue if we haven't done genetic screening. So by age 40, for example, miscarriage rates are about 40%. So the delivery rate is typically about 40%, 45%, even if the pregnancy rate is higher, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But by age 43, the delivery rate is only 10% because that's how fast the egg quality is dropping after that age
1: even though let's say if your eggs were young, your embryos are younger?
0: No. So if your embryos are younger, so if you froze, if you froze embryos at age 40, you'll always have the success rate of a 40 year old. If you froze them at age 35, you'll always have the success rate of a 35 year old.
1: And that makes sense. How do you choose a fertility clinic? Do you have any tips for us? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I think it's actually very important to do your homework. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, there are a number of things. I've always said that at Genesis Fertility Center, our goal is to have the best success rates for people in the most difficult cases. And I figure that if we have the best success rates in the most difficult cases, then we will have the best success rates in the cases that are not so difficult either, which seems to pan out. Um, do your homework. Look at who the doctors are. Where did they come from? Where do they train? What is their track record? What are the success rates? Be careful when you evaluate success rates, because uh, I don't think anybody puts up low success rates, um, and I don't think people necessarily mean to mislead, Um, but every situation is different, and it's helpful, if possible, to assess, for example, the quality of the lab, uh, to identify the success rates, identify uh, the pregnancy rates, the delivery rates. Um, to identify successes with cases like donor eggs, which are the best case scenario when the eggs are young, to identify um, what we call blastocyst rates. So how well do embryos grow from the time they're fertilized until they're a blastocyst, which is a day five embryo. Um, these days we can do genetic screening of embryos. It's important to understand screening is screening. It's not testing. So we can screen the embryos to determine their probability of being chromosomally balanced or normal. And the rate limiting factor as we get older is that more embryos are not chromosomally balanced or normal. The most likely reason for a miscarriage is that the embryo wasn't chromosomally balanced or normal. But again, the most likely fate of an embryo that wasn't chromosomally balanced is that it doesn't implant, or if it does implant, it miscarries. Mm -hmm. So people tend to be very scared of getting pregnant later on because they're scared of having a pregnancy that's not healthy. And while the frequency of that increases with age, remember that most pregnancies that aren't healthy, they don't make it very far. So it's only a tiny percentage of them where they make it far enough along where you're faced with uh, sometimes difficult decisions.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My husband and I, we uh, did look at a lot of clinics. And um, we had uh, two friends that actually referred us to Genesis. But we looked at reviews, we looked at everything. And I think personally, you have to go and you have to go for consultation. Specifically when I went there the first time, I was just, in my head, I was just going for ache freezing and we came out of there with something like completely different and I was not expecting. And I had to think about it, but I realized very fast and that's probably the route I should be going, right? And I think what I would recommend to people is to go there with an op- open mind. Go there, meet the doctor and bring you questions and you have to feel good with your doctor. And do a little bit of work on what needs to be asked before to go. So like that, you're not wasting your time. I did like that. Uh, for me, I we did um, we referred ourselves. We didn't get referred by a doctor. And I liked a clinic that actually would do this. I did not have the time to go and meet with a doctor and wait and get referred. You know, I was happy to pay the 125 or whatever it was. Right, I was happy to pay. I thought it was very inexpensive actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now if we talk about costs. So, Sonia, what kind of cost people uh, should expect?
0: So we say that it varies according to what they need, and it does vary, but then it doesn't vary that much. Um, mm-hmm. So a basic IVF cycle is around in and, around 7, 7, and then if we need to do intracytoplasmic sperm injection or ICSI, it's about 1,500. If we freeze embryos, it's around another seven hundred. So that gets up to $9,500, and the medications can range anywhere from two to usually eight or $1,000, depending on um, what somebody needs, how long the stimulation lasts, what their ovarian reserve is. If there is genetic screening done on top of that, it adds cost again of about $5,000. There are frozen embryo transfers. If the fresh embryo transfer doesn't work, or if years later you come back to have a frozen embryo transfer for a second child, hopefully... Um then the costs associated with that are still there. They're about $1,500, much, much less than the first cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was for us. At the end, I think it was about $19,000. Then we were able to have the embryo transfer. And that's why we pay like 1500 plus basic medication, a little bit less than another 1500 of medication for us. But again, like the embryo transfer is much, much, much less expensive than the full cycle of IVF. Yeah. And for you, Heather, would you ever uh, consider IVF?
2: Um, for Bruce and I, when we well, we were considering starting a family, we were both older as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we got married, we kind of talked a little bit about what we might want to do and At that point, I I knew people that had adopted, I knew people that had done IVF, and I kind of thought we might want to go the adoption route. But one thing I know that I would want to look into is going for the consultation just to see, like, because I know there's more steps before going all the way Mm -hmm. to IVF. So, I know, for instance, we ended up conceiving naturally very easily. We were completely lucky. It caught us off guard.
0: <laughs> so, that we ended up pregnant, which is a wonderful
2: <laughs> thing because both of us had no idea if we'd be able to get pregnant that easily. So, all of a sudden, when we got pregnant, we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But um, now that we are planning for number two, and now I am 40, because um, number one was conceived at 38 and things change rapidly. So, we are planning, of course, on trying starting in the new year. Um, you know, and I'm going to do things like I did before with my diet and, you know, exercise and all those types of things to do as best as I can naturally. But obviously we're not going to be waiting and waiting if it doesn't happen naturally Mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely something that we will look into to see what other things that we can do, but we don't financially have the money to do IVF. So mm-hmm. unfortunately that's not going to be an end result thing for us because mm-hmm. we just aren't financially there. But uh, I know there are some other things you can potentially do to help things, mm. you know? So hopefully with the fact that we did get pregnant actually the first time that hopefully mm-hmm. things are still okay. It just might take a little longer this time. <laughs> I mean, something I forgot to
1: mention too is with uh, all the testing at the beginning, uh, my thyroid was a little bit uh, elevated. So, before to do the IVF cycle, I I was put on a, a small dose of centurid to just uh, regulate things, and I don't know, maybe it could have been the reason why I was never I never got pregnant or.
0: I mean, I think, um, if since you don't mind sharing, I think that was yeah. sort of a very mild thing, but yes. it does help uh, with outcomes like IVF outcomes. I think it's important also to say that it's, you know, I think it's very important to respect. There's so many different ways to have families and there's no, how can you not love a child wherever that child comes from, right? Yes. Um, I think a lot of people, IVF is not the only route. And I also think that a lot of people come to us with an idea of what it is they would like to do, as you did, yeah. um, what it is they would be willing to do. Um of course IVF unfortunately is you know it, it's not covered at the moment maybe hopefully that might change mm-hmm. um particularly if we share more stories about mm-hmm. people having you know one and two and three babies from one IVF cycle it seems that it's pretty cost effective
1: absolutely yeah, yeah.
0: um but i think that also it, it, people have it's it's their right and it's a prerogative to change their minds and so i've certainly seen people who have come and said well i'm never going to do this and after time, they might change their mind, and that's entirely their prerogative. I didn't I've, think I
1: was going to take do IVF ever. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm the exact example. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then sometimes, also, for example, I think adoption is a wonderful way to have a family. And mm-hmm. we have uh, I've seen many patients who would be open to that. Uh, unfortunately, when they go down that road, part of the reason they go towards IVF or alternate methods such as donor egg is because the adoption process has become more and more difficult Uh uh, and more and more expensive also. Uh, And in some cases, it may be that you know what you're going to get, but in a lot of cases, it also happens that people, it's expensive and then it can be heartbreak at the end of that as well. So I have a lot of patients, for example, who might go down the donor egg route, not because they're not willing to adopt, but because there's so much uncertainty there as well. And donor egg, for example, in those cases has a success rate of about 70%. Mm.
1: So Sonia, any words of wisdom for our listeners?
0: (laughs) You know, I think it's important just to ask for help Mm -hmm. and um, come with an open mind, come with a closed Mm -hmm. mind, come with whatever mind is your mind (laughs) um, and ask for help. And it's there. And uh, again, you know, it's always your prerogative to ask as many questions as you want It's your prerogative to come in with an idea that you may want to do one thing, be open enough to hear sort of the medical advice as to what might be available and what might be helpful. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, at least information is power. And with that, you can make choices and decisions um, that are right for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Sonia. And thank you, Heather, for being here. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it
2: will be this week. Heather, can you pick one and read it to us, please? All right, ladies, here we go, our question of the day. What's one thing you've done that you'd like to
0: erase? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) You know, I think, um, actually it's kind of appropriate for this. Um, I have often patients or couples or individuals who come to me and they'll say they might have regrets for not trying to start a family sooner, or they'll say to me, but I just met my partner. Um, and I'll always say, but you know, this is it. This is your life. And fortunately, you've met your partner. Um, And if things happened at a different time, not bad or good, right or wrong, but you'd be a different person. So I don't know that there's much that we should regret in life. We make choices with the information we have at the time. And if we get different information or if circumstances change, then we make different choices. Uh, Sometimes choices lead you down the road you don't expect. I think you always have to be open to the good things that come from that. Along the road, there's some bumps and sometimes you wonder if really it's it's going to be good or not. Um, or you think about some of the things you may have given up in making those choices. But at the end of the day, I think you have to really embrace that. We can always make different choices. Mm-hmm. If information changes or circumstances change, we can make different choices.
1: Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Heather.
2: Um, yeah, very similar to what you said, like we become who we are from our experiences. So when it comes to kind of big experiences, even if they were potentially bad experiences, we learn and we grow and we become the people we are today from those experiences. So I guess on a lighter side, maybe those couple drunk nights, (laughs) I could erase those.
1: (laughs) Not have (laughs) that hangover in the
2: morning. (laughs) So the hindsight would be, maybe just don't drink as much sometimes.
1: (laughs) Definitely um, for myself in line, like you choose like everything and mm-hmm. you're you're who you are today because of those uh, choices you have done in life um, if I had to pick something when I was younger if I could actually be nicer with my brother I was a pretty tough sister I think when I was young and actually I was very close to my brother even though if he passed away now but um, he, he was a really good brother to me always been there but I was young I think I was a little bit tough on him a little bit yeah yeah. I would raise that if I could <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes today's episode. I want to say thank you, Sonia, for being here. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your expertise. Thank you, Heather, for always being there next to me. Uh, Thank you for your contribution in other parents' life. For our listeners, the conversation continues on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. And you can subscribe to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. So you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. Don't forget to review us. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of parent talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.